0: It's a crack, come back, yay, standing on the rooftop, shaded it out, baby, I'm ready to
1: With me in the studio, I have Sylvia Silversmith.
0: Hello, Dookie. Hello, Dookie listeners.
1: And Marsha MacDonald.
0: Hey, people, what up?
1: Later on in this very podcast, we have special guest Dave Barbarossa, the novelist and drummer. This man has played with some iconic musicians, Adam and the Ants, Bow Wow Wow, Republica, and Coordinated. Uh,
0: Dookie, can I say thing hit me yeah uh mr barbarossa uh he came to the studio with his very lovely friend and they both liked your dog and i just want to point out your dog really liked them and your dog i've known your dog for a while now i she wanted not even come near me and I don't know whether Mr. Barbarossa and his his friend, like, you told them to coat themselves in bacon fat before they came over or whatever, but... Yeah, your, your dog... Yeah, she really liked them.
1: You need to become either a, a novelist or a drummer, Marsha.
0: Yeah, all right, well, I'll work on that.
1: Or to maybe just a little bit like dogs.
0: Yeah, that's true, I'm not that hip.
1: They both seem to be quite... Uh, Fond smitten, of, of the smitten, smitten, yes. They, and, they, were, they and that's were smitten a good word for me. with the lovely Molly. Yes,
0: they were very smitten. And can I just say that I had the privilege of meeting both of them, and I was smitten with them. There was a I great was deal very, of smit
1: happening in the studio. There
0: was a lot of smit going along. Because, Dookie, back in the day, I was a massive, massive Adam and the Ounce fan. And the drumming was a massive part of that. Smitten.
1: Absolutely. An incredibly distinctive drum sound a distinctive sound for the whole band and Dave Barbarossa's instrumental in creating all of that.
0: So yeah Dookie I don't know about you but I all that day I came over all kind of nervy nervy very nervous very nervous indeed and then when they really like your dog the lovely Molly and they're like massive doggy people and you know it just they're such lovely people how lovely are they Dookie and I just want to know Juki, how was it for you to interview the lovely and the very wonderful Mr. Barbarossa?
1: Incredible, an absolutely engaging chappy. He spins a fantastic yarn and he just oozes cool and niceness.
0: He's very cool and very nice. And his his friend who I believe helped to edit do some of the edits in his book. Oh,
1: that's correct.
0: She she was super lovely and super wonderful. And what what a pleasure and a privilege it was to have them in the studio for me. And I think it was for you, too, as well.
1: It was an absolute honor. And uh, we we delved deep into his background as a musician, as well as the gestation of his book, Mud Sharks. That's a great Indeed, a great, a great story involving that is is featured in the novel.
0: Oh, fantastic! Well, Dukey, I just I had to say that before you actually interview the man himself, I just had to say what a prob- pleasure and a privilege it was to meet him. Yeah, it was good. It was it was cool. Yeah, he's a cool guy. You know, you you got he's a cool guy. Yeah, he looks really cool. He's just cool.
1: Marshall, if you start liking dogs, Molly will start liking you.
0: Have I upset you with this, Dookie? You know, it's just, I don't not like them. I'm just not, you know, I don't care.
1: Just a little. Just a little.
0: Are you troubled by spots, blemishes, and flaky skin?
1: Well, download the Dookie Radio Show every Monday, and your skin will be looking clear, radiant, and luscious in no time. The Dookie Radio Show, your key to beautiful skin.
0: Hello, darling. Has anybody told you that you've got beautiful skin?
1: Yes, all the time. Regular listeners to the Dukey Radio Show will know that I'm a little bit fond of my dog Molly. The Border Collie and Springer Spaniel Cross, a sprolly, is regularly in the studio when we're recording a show and sometimes makes important verbal contributions to our broadcasts. And when guests come into the studio... I'm mindful that they're not afraid of dogs. It can be an occupational hazard. But with our special guest, Dave Barbarossa, it struck me that he used to be in a band called Bow Wow Wow. So I reckon we'll be okay. But one must never make assumptions.
2: No, um, I do like dogs. I like dogs that like cheese. Your dog likes cheese. That's all right with me. We're going to be okay. Yeah, we are.
1: In your novel entitled Mud Sharks, you occasionally compare some of your characters to resembling certain dogs, in one case indicating a man's similarity
2: to a sick spaniel. I like this. Oh, uh, yeah, well, they do look sick, don't they? Well, they, they do. They've got droopy eyed and myopic and a bit bilious. People talk
1: about the great American novel, they talk about the great British novel. Sure. This is a great London novel, and oh. although there are moments where the title came from where you might be in deeper Seattle doing some yeah, strange it kind of fishing yeah. <laughs> it, it is very much an, an ode to London and very much a, a great tale about growing up in the, the capital yep. in, in the 70s yeah. and being a musician in that scene from kind of the late 70s onwards obviously your life's going to impact on it yeah how, how much yes <laughs> <laughs> on a well, scale that- of on a scale of none of it's true you've only changed a couple of names to We had to change names in order to uh, not have people
2: suing us. Go to prison, yeah. (laughs) Uh, No, basically I was advised to write what I know uh, because I was trying to be uh, a little bit clever and esoteric and maybe write a science fiction book. But uh, I was told, write what you know. And what I know is, you know, my childhood and uh, the politics of the time and punk rock and, and London. So I've written a book based on many of my experiences and some that I've never had. And um, and that's what it is. It's kind of drawn from what I know. How did the gestation of the book come about? How did you
1: decide to set pen to paper or keyboard stroke to screen?
2: I've always... I feel everyone's got a book in them, you know, and I don't want to be the old guy in the bar, or if he could have written a book, imagine... Uh, so I, My memoirs would yeah, be amazing! They would be, but... You need to put that down in a book, mate! So I, I just... Decide, and I love... I've a, been a voracious reader since a little kid... I love books, I love writing and literature, and um, so I chanced my arm. It took a while because um, my grammar and, uh, and all the rest of it wasn't very good, but I worked hard at it, and I put out lots of different stories to people, and that kept coming back. Why don't you write about that band or that person? And so I, I started writing a book about rock and roll and touring and punk rock and all that, and it was bland and it was, you know, something anybody could write or make up. And then I really wrote about what I know, which was like my childhood and, you know, uh, situation I grew up in. Which was, you know, it's like pretty dark. And then into the light of, of being able to play in a, in a decent band or two. And that's it, really.
1: I've read a number of autobiographies from musicians that came of age around the same time that mm-hmm. you did. Boy George's yeah. um, Take It Like a Man, for instance. Mm-hmm. Your own fictitious story is far more vivid of a read than the people who've decided to delve into their pasts and relive yeah. it for the reader. I know what you're saying. The Place. thing is,
2: Andy, you can write more honestly and passionately about something with fiction than you can with just dates and times and chronology. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And um, I didn't. I've been asked. I'm, I'm often asked to write about being in a band with such and such, or what you know. Or TV things when you have all those guys on there talking heads and all that, uh, talking about punk rock or whatever. And I've never really fancied it. And I've said more. I feel I've said more about the time and the politics and, and all the issues in a novel than I could ever just writing it all down in a list. How long did the process take? It was. Um, I was with the Republica. So we're talking about the late 90s here. And I was touring just the States over and over again. It was really wearing me out. And I came home and I thought, I can't do this, but it was my job. But I, I said to myself, you know, you've got to find something else. So I can remember we had a big-ass computers in them days. And I just write, wrote a description of a mate of mine. And then that was kind of it. And I thought, God, blind, I really like doing this. I really fancy this. And I gradually got more, it became less of a hobby and more of something I was driven to do. And um, I wrote a book about two friends, which was crap but it was a book about two friends and i realized i was drawn to writing a book about mates more than i was about an affair with a woman or politics i, I like that thing and of course i lost my best mate matthew
1: matthew ashman the guitarist
2: and um and that and that was it i'll write about a band with mates and then you can't just write about that you've got to write about where the main character came from so i kind of that's how it worked it took about four, took about four years so from you know starting to getting it out,
1: Matthew passed away in 1995. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. And at that time, were you in Republica? Or the, I always think of Republica as being kind of 1997, 1998.
2: Yeah, it was. He, he died before joining Republica, definitely a few years before. And then you know, and then doing that sort of intense touring that me and Matthew used to doing, like the Ants and Bow Wow, and then being with another set of lads, you know. From Texas to you know Cleveland or wherever, and just thinking he was there and 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 it was it was quite it was a difficult old time, and that's when I knew I guess that's when the writing bug I had to get it on paper.
1: The character of Christian is that kind of yeah based yeah, yeah quite yeah quite a bit on yeah, Matthew <laughs> yeah it
2: is based a lot on math. but it's also based on the. As you know, being a player, a million, it's a million geezers you've played with. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just that kind of guy that you get in a band.
1: I know many, many yeah. Christians and yeah, exactly. I've lost
2: some Christians yeah, as well. This is it, this is it. Dave, yeah. it's now time to talk about
1: the Mac. Malcolm McLaren. The late, great... Yeah.
2: Uh, it was great to me anyway. Swingali. <laughs> yeah.
1: The one thing which I always offense to long before meeting you uh, was when he made reference to that it was his idea to mix the burundi um tribal beats and to add them to the musical landscape of that period and
2: well how and much of that well, is that I, I, true I, I, it's quite a bit really i have to admit <laughs> he, he, he was quite a genius really um you know, I mean, he, he had his solo career in music, but he's gone there. So I can say, you know, he could hardly walk straight, let alone tap in time or anything, or sing in tune. He wasn't the most musical, naturally musical bloke. We have Buffalo Girls as a yeah, yeah. as a legacy. Well, yeah. It is what it is. It is what it is. It's a load of other really talented geezers and Malcolm having a chat.
0: Two Buffalo girls go around the outside, round the outside, round the outside. Three
2: bu- but... He certainly could put young, enthusiastic, open-minded musicians in situations and they had to sink or swim. And that's what he did to me. I was absolutely in awe of the geezer. You know, he was was a bloke who invented punk rock. My lifestyle, my hero. Sex Pistols, the greatest band of all time. He was actually talking to me, telling me I was a a really great musician. And you can front a band, but you've got to get a style. You've got to play. You can't play like all the rest. And he pushed and he pressured me. And I had to come up with something. And he also, at the same time, gave me loads of like what you call ethnic music. I mean, you know, just like Aboriginal, African, Latin, and it just came out of me that sound. So um, he is he is responsible, even though he, he couldn't play like two bars of anything. Did he actually sort of dictate what tracks he wanted you to no no. to do? Or he just very general. He would right. immerse you, and he, he would make you think he was most if if you. I mean, um, you might get onto it later, the difference between Adamant and Malcolm McLaren. Well, with, with Adamant, you've got a guy who had his vision. He knew where he was going. He knew where his frontiers were. He knew where he'd been and what he wanted. He was a single-minded, driven individual. Malcolm McLaren liked blokes like me that were potless and clueless and were open-mouthed and open-minded. And so that's why he could get the sound out of me and Adam went on his own way and became a very famous millionaire. (laughs) He did did rather well. (laughs) He did, yeah, bless him.
1: The whole migration from Adam and the Ants to Bow Wow Wow, that must have been a difficult time for yourself or did Malcolm make it seem like the most simple idea? The press will make us believe that he eventually wanted Adam Ant to join Bow Wow Wow. Is that...
2: True No I mean basically Around You know Malcolm was a legend To Adam And to all of us Adam wanted Malcolm To produce a video I think Direct a video for him We couldn't believe it He came down to this Rehearsal room in Hackney Malcolm McLaren In one of them mad suits And you know We were all gobsmacked um, So I think that's when Malcolm He saw that we could play a bit I mean we had Lee Gorman as well A fantastic bass player Math's a great guitarist. And um, I think Malcolm instinctively saw three open minded, you could call them gullible, innocent guys who really were ambitious. Now, I've been with Adam like four years. I played on his first album. I was his soldier and his right hand man to an extent. And I loved doing it, I was proud of it. But when Malcolm McClellan says to me, says to you, you can run your own band, you can front it, you know, call yourself Dave Barbarossa, get out there, be big, wear a big flowery shirt and make your ear go, you know what I mean? When, when a guy like that says to you, you know, you're no longer a soldier but you're a general, well, you know, I went for it. He certainly
1: sounds like he had a, a way to bring out the best in people. Yes, yeah.
2: some people, other people like Adam who are already there, they're already Made their stars. They know what they want to do. They're already brilliant. They're already at the top of their game. But people like me, who, you know, it's like underdogs, who, you know, a bit chippy, want to do better for themselves. He could really, you know, really inspire you.
1: With your move to Bow Wow Wow, how, how were your relations with Mr. Goddard well, following that? I'd imagine that there was uh, a... He, he
2: was very let down by me. and um, But you understand, I mean... I had coffee with him the other day We, we talked about the old days he's, he's an You could say he's an old mate We talk about our kids and stuff like that You know He transcends, you know Pop groups now
1: The In terms of kind of Really, really vivid tales of, of that era Adam Ant's own um, autobiography Springs to mind And I, oh. I read it fairly recently as, okay. as well when his very public breakdown occurred, when he had that incident at the Prince of Wales pub and... Oh, yeah, all that, yeah. Was that surprising to you, or did you see the yeah, writing I was on the wall? absolutely
2: shocked. Oh, I don't know. I mean, when I played for I Adam, mean, he was just a leader, someone you look up to, you know, somebody who was a great example to a young man, you know, who was disciplined and driven. All those things that I didn't have in my young life, he was. He was very much a father figure. He knows that anyway. We laugh about him now. But... Um, he has got problems you know temperamental problems or whatever but he, he's a bit like Muhammad Ali he uses that to fire himself up to become furious and brilliant he uses it and when he's inert when he can't perform he's like a shark you know if he, if he ain't moving he'll, he'll sink and I think that at that particular time in his life I don't think he was doing a lot with, with the sort of adamant career thing and so you know what I mean you had all of that bursting creative charisma doing nothing so he got into trouble but he's i I met him very recently i mean i did some shows with him last year and i met him socially he's just like any other bloke you really get him on his own and he's just fine i mean with a crowd obviously he's a superstar and he has to be a certain way but he's just a really regular guy just a bit of a genius that's all
1: (laughs) a genius named (laughs) stew yeah yeah hey dave i got one word for you republica For a while in the late 1990s, it felt as though you could not travel anywhere on planet Earth without hearing Republica's Drop Dead Gorgeous or Ready To Go, an international smash hit band. And obviously yourself being a sports fan, hearing Republica's music being kind of utilised,
2: it is with (laughs) basketball, isn't it? Yeah, I think Sunderland used to uh, have it, come out to it, I think. I think, yeah, maybe. Maybe.
1: It's the 1990s. You're in the studio. A lot of those tracks, seemingly to me, are kind of drum loop driven. Yeah, they are. Yeah, and I would imagine for the live shows you were kind of playing alongside sequencers and flying stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how did that feel going from Mm. where the drums were very, very much at the forefront? Mm -hmm. Yeah, as soon as you hear bow wow and early Adam and the Ants, you hear the Day Barbarossa drum sound. Mm. It's it's there, it's very, very distinctive. How did it feel going from a situation whereby the drums were very, very much centre stage to where you were largely following the machine in probably every sense?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you have to accept nowadays that you do everything to a click track, everything to a digital code. And um, I really, really enjoyed the challenge of Republica. It was such a challenging gig for those very reasons that I couldn't just be flamboyant and lash out and play and show off. I knew I had to serve that robot, which was that digital sound. And, I, and, I, and it was a great challenge every night to do it, you know, with all the distractions, you know, just keying into that click track and playing. And it stood me in good stead because all the work I've, most of the work I've done since is, is all, all like that. As you know yourself, a lot of the time, you know, because it's on the, the, you know, the Pro Tools or the Logic, you, you've got to sink in.
1: I find myself when I'm driving and the indicator is on, I yeah, automatically yeah, start to lock in until yeah. <laughs> I can't hear it. Yeah, it's the musician's curse. It is the modern musician's curse. <laughs> yeah. When did you first work to a click track? Would any of the I think the Adam f- the Ants tracks has been done nah, to it. No, no, no. we uh, tried, doesn't we sound tried, like nah. it. In Probably, a good way.
2: Yeah. They breathe. You, you didn't need to. You didn't need to. Then it was all done. You, you'd follow Adam basically when he moved. You played in time. You know, and that was it, it. Was that nuance and that subtle for him? Bow, well, wow, well, well, I just, just got stuck in and just flew through it, <laughs> quick as I could. Um, I think the first time I was aware that you had that, I had to moderate. Was when I, I played for Beats International for a few years. Uh, Norman Cook. of Cook, of and course. We had DJs and decks and loops and like that, and so and I was just a kick drummer on that live, and that's when I, you know, when it's sort of kind of sort of chip hop, hip hop, funky drummer style with a couple of DJs, and I, obviously, you know, you had the monitors right up next to you, and you had to play in time, else you, you know, collapse.
1: Lindy Layton was she there for the duration or...
2: Yeah, she was. I did some work with her after the Beats thing. I left Beats International or whatever happened. Uh, Yeah, I did some work with her and Dry as a Bone. That was an early soul band in London. And then, um, I can't remember, a few other bits and pieces. But also I played for Chicane for a few years. I beat the house.
1: Which ties in, obviously, with what you're doing now with... Coordinated. Coordinated. And also the the work that you're doing with a punk sound check as well. What you're doing is dance music with a difference. You're doing dance music with drums, and drums which absolutely weave in and out of all of the traditional sounds that you associate with house music and all of its offshoots. A really huge tribute to yourself is... I had the pleasure of seeing uh, coordinated live just before Christmas and I was slightly worried because I I'd heard the tracks and the the drums are up front and the ghost beats that you do are really really prominent Everything sounds like it it could have been recorded with a five thousand pound neumann or some microphone <laughs> yeah, that they had to import in from a specialist musical laboratory in deepest dusseldorf and i was slightly worried that you know in a club scenario where you've got a kit which has been mic'd up in a matter of seconds that sure. the subtleties of what you're going to do yeah. might be lost or that the backing track might not have the the same impact as it does i was absolutely blown away the um every time I've, i i in the past when I've seen bands with incorporating backing tracks and live instrumentation, it one is usually at the expense of the other. Yeah, sure. The drums kicked ass. Eva, the singer, kicked ass. My word. It, it was just... It made me realise nice. that you hit the sweet spot. Uh, all great stuff is, came as through. You know,
2: as you know, as a musician yourself, you can... Do a hundred different projects, and you just get that chemistry with, with 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 someone. I mean, the guy that does all the synth and production for Coordinated, a guy called David Harmon, really brilliant guy, and he was he did a very similar thing for Chicane. So he's used to working with a live live musicians with that uh, kind of synthy dance sound. So he's tailored that live sound for those little clubs I'm playing with um, Coordinated, just right. And so you. It, it, just the blend is is quite miraculous. I know exactly what you mean because you can miss by a miss as good as a mile with that playing that digital thing. You know, live it's it's a it's a dodgy old thing to do. But chemistry just works.
1: How did cauldronated come to be? How did you meet? Um, well, Eva?
2: I played a bit of a Malcolm McLaren game on myself. I mean, I just. I was playing with uh, some different people, and I saw this girl. She she befriended me on Facebook. She you remind me of
1: Annabelle. <laughs> yeah, no,
2: no but it, was, it was one of their moments. It's like I saw her, and she just had something about her. And I did actually chase her up the road and say, "Look, you've got to give me your number because I've got an idea." I knew she was a drummer, but I, I wanted her to front the sort of stuff me and David were doing. David Harmon, the, the synth guy, and I thought. You know, what do I want to get a, a really nice vocalist that can hold a tune like all the other thousands of really nice vocalists that can hold a tune in that classic all sort of cod soldy way you hear nowadays? No, I'm going to have somebody that really is, um, confronts people, that spoils it, you know, in the old way that punk rock used to, you know what I mean, given what they don't want. And that's kind of what coordinated it has ended up like. So you've got this kind of really amazingly um, rich synth sound You've got the drums going mental and you've got somebody standing in the middle of it roaring. And it kind of appeals to me. (laughs) It's appealing live. Two people on stage
1: making one hell of a racket. You guys (laughs) are doing something really, really exciting. We love
2: doing it, man. We love doing it.
1: And when you decided to take it from the, the studio to the stage, had you considered different... Lineups live? Had you tried bass players or bringing in keyboard players? How did it go from being something that
2: was being mixed and mastered in the studio to, well, we better take this live? Well, we had no choice but to take it live because um, I I believe that you get your best recorded music after you play live. I think you need to play live first, else it's just banal. You can tell people haven't got a passion to perform it. Or the skill to perform it, you can you can hear it in their in their music. It's a it's a weird one, isn't it? Because we thought we'd get um, a keyboard player in live, but the keyboards were done. Should we get a, a guitarist, a bass player, a, a, a second um, a vocalist, perhaps somebody to help Eva? She don't need no help. She, no, she that girl. No, 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 she no. gets on there. and She carries it. You know, she fronts a band with a, you know, with me in it, and she fronts it as well as anybody I've ever. Work with so that's my greatest compliment to her. You know, what I mean, she don't back down. She won't. She won't take an inch backwards. And that, that inspires me. It reminds me of the Roxy Club and the Vortex and all that. The way she just steams through it, you know. And the abuse she gets, stick from all the like, like the cod trendies and all of that, you know, because she's a strange Italian girl. But she don't care.
1: Scene coordinated live at that horrible venue in Shoreditch with all of the beard wearing. Yeah, yeah. ska- they chin sta- scratchers they stayed though didn't they they stayed yeah, I, I have to be honest and it, it's out of respect and what i'm going to say is a compliment i thought you would guys would clear the room yeah for real and i was going to love you that much more i do it it. every night
2: <laughs> and
1: and it was really interesting seeing people kind of go oh, yeah what was this yeah uh, some, some, some kind of zicky stardust thing or, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 sure. and <laughs> yeah that all the the trendy people in there were kind of looking at their the fellow trend frontiers people <laughs> and trying to work out whether or not they too could yeah, be allowed yeah, to well. enjoy it yeah. and uh, eva was there kind of just staring everyone in the eye yeah, she's good and
2: girl. that's that's a powerful thing it was uh, it, 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 people we we got something we we're in our own bubble when we're up there i mean we play both of us play with all we've got we give it everything what is the point of just leaving it in the dressing room we just go out there and give it everything I really play hard and she gives everything and you know you come off win lose or draw you just feel you've done something a bit special I mean I know because I've done it a long time that it is special but it's not for everyone but I don't think it should be for everyone no it was not designed for anyone no
1: it's up to you if you want to buy this thing buy this thing I'm going to get a little bit anarchy on the drum front Ooh, here. Oh, blimey. I'm not a drummer, so I'm not going to be talking about uh, heads and sticks. Don't worry. Okay. But I do hope you use right-handed sticks. Um, uh, all, I'm ambidextrous here. All right. Oh, good. <laughs> ah. <laughs> In terms of your live drum kit and using a lot of rich keyboard sounds and dance influences from house, techno and drum and bass as you do, I half expected to see an electric kit on stage, a couple of Roland V drums for instance, but no, you're fully acoustic. there was not a single trigger pad in sight, nothing, it was a relief. Had you considered using an electric drum kit
2: live at all? Is that something that you tried ever from no no, we're never going to be with coordinated it has to be trying to blend the acoustic with the digital that is a challenge and and that is the chemistry that creates that unique sound that we have if i try to compete or or pay lip service to the synth sound that we have then you would be watering it down in my opinion i have to challenge it and unite with it
1: and those, t- you know, Tom sounded really, yeah, yeah. really, really big on the night. Yeah.
2: Sound checking, is it, is it a speedy process with Coordinated? Five minutes, we are the cheapest date in pop. Right. There's two of us, a drum kit and an iPad. Um, and, they, and obviously, you know, after micing the, um, getting the sound on the, origi- on the uh, individual drums, we just go through half a song and it's all there, bang. Was it, the last
1: time I toured the States, uh, there were loads and loads of bands who were sort of doing the, member thing on stage some of whom were doing it the way the Kills do it others who were doing it in White Stripes fashion and although on paper that sounds very very simple but so many of the bands you know the guitarists would be going through a guitar amp and a bass amp and would be using pedals and loop stations and all (laughs) sorts of other stuff and what would seemingly be simple from a sound engineering point of view would just take fucking ages Mm. so the idea that you guys do it with just an iPad a simple you know i think
2: it's because i'm maybe ever so slightly skeptical about sound checks and sound and mics and stuff if you can play if you're any good you'll always sound good you know don't matter what gear you've got you know what i mean you, it's it, in the fingers it really is you know what i mean mm. if you if you can get the sound into a microphone for and your the instrument yeah if you can get it in there and get it out of the pa that's it job done but, you know equipment is overrated
1: i mean in a way equipment is indicators being overrated in your book there there's a, a special couple that you meet who are oh, no, dealing with drum sponsorship and yes. and so on yes. and there's also a tale involving this couple that incorporates human equipment integration. May I ask how much truth is in that i have a feeling that it is no truth at all (laughs) his answer says one thing the nod says another (laughs) i love that story and i can't help but um the way that i pictured the man (laughs) mr drums was as a as a kind of arty fufkin from spinal tap polymer records (laughs) i'm not asking i'm telling (laughs) kick this
2: kick this ass oh man
0: kick my ass
2: you know what it's like you know bands you can take liberties
1: now the the story about where the, the title of the book came from Mud Sharks. Yeah, yeah. I had heard that story before. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a famous kind of Led Zeppelin I mean, story. Yeah, it's obviously a famous and a hotel. Sort of Frank
2: Zappa song as well. Oh my word! Yes, yeah, yeah. I completely spaced yeah, yeah, it out. Yeah. Edgewater Inn. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd heard that Frank Zappa song. Um, I don't know if it's on Hot Rats and one of them old albums when I was a kid. I mean, I ain't an expert on Frank Zappa. He's brilliant, though, and all that. But um, and to actually stay there and actually catch fish out the window, that was that was mad. I don't think they do it anymore. I don't think that tackle shop's here anymore, you know, health and safety or whatever. But when I was like, in, I don't know, I think Bow Wow Wow, we stayed there and we we, we caught these little um, barracudas out the window.
1: And talking about catching barracudas, God, Annabelle, God. vocalist from Bow Wow Wow. When he comes bursting through that door. Aged 13 or... However old she was when you guys formed the band, I always thought Malcolm was deliberately... scaling it down. Yeah. Yeah. In order to court controversy.
2: Absolutely, yeah.
1: How did that feel within the eyes of the press, kind of being seen to be touting jailbait to the masses? Yeah,
2: that's very much Malcolm. And provocative album covers. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, people still rave about that cover. I mean, where where we were, we were, um, we were in rehearsal. We were trying to get the set together, and you know, Bauer has very complex playing. The four of us just had our heads down just trying to get this right, crapping it over playing gigs, you know, all the press, were, what they're going to be like live, so we were just rehearsing really hard. It kind of, as you're in that dungeon of a rehearsal room, the world passes you by, it's like being on the road, you know, you come back and, oh, it's in, oh blimey, the Tories are in, are they? You know what I mean? It's one of them. So I know that was a big deal in the press, and I know... That it was all going off outside, but for the four of us, we were just trying to get that show right because we knew Malcolm would crucify us if we were crap. How regularly did he pop into rehearsals? Too often. Right. We played our first New York show at the Ritz Ballroom. And New York was a bit like Londoners, you know, they turned turn their nose up a bit and I can remember banging away. And I looked at my side fill and Malcolm was behind it. Going, you ain't got him yet, Barbara. Rossa. And swear, I mean, you know, this is in front of like a thousand people. That's the kind of intensity. He'd call you six o'clock in the morning. You done that tune yet, boy? You better get your arse in gear you'll be. F-. You know what I mean? It was all threats and menaces with old Malcolm there. <laughs> Did he keep in contact post bow wow split? That was it. Gone. As soon as we really? split. Really? No it, Christmas it ne- cards from the man. It. No, man, he's not like that. He would. I mean, I went to, when I went to his funeral. There are lots of worthies Speaking about The three or four years Malcolm McLaren was in their life And what they did for him You know And it was gratifying to hear Because It was the same experience As I had He was in my life For three, four years Whatever With Bow Wow, wow. An amazing influence it Made made me the man I am For what Good or bad And uh, And then he was gone Then he was gone That was it He was with someone else Doing something else He was in On telly In LA Doing this I mean I, You know I know we've no, I never saw him again after that. Never saw him again until I got a phone call, yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. It was quite shocking. Some people you imagine yeah. to be. I'd, I'd heard, I got old. a call.
2: I got a call a you knew few he was months Ill. before that he was very ill, yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, you know, he's a one off. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: The idea of um,
2: getting away from all that synthesized and established practice of trying to package everything so tightly just became to be very nauseating for me and I decided to look a lot deeper
1: with regards to punk soundcheck
2: and yeah. uh, Barbara Beats. yeah tell me tell me about it uh, well it's um, my, it's my my manager John Taylor and producer of Barbarossa Beat, Punk Soundcheck and other things. He's a great believer in me and my sound. He loves cauldronated 8. And um, I just, just go off on one in the studio on the drums and he puts his, that, put that track together and a few others. So it's a really exciting thing to do. Something I've always wanted to do is to make really banging club records with my drums, which are drums that come out of punk rock. And it, it's really satisfying to square in that circle of of, of playing... You know, you're not supposed to be able to play if you're a punk rocker, you know what I mean? You're useless, gobbing, you know, low life. And yet, now, many years later, (laughs) I'm making tracks, you know, which are kind of immaculate and classy, but with that passion and uh, and that playing.
1: I play that, and even at low volume, it just shakes the room, and and what you've got is just complete and utter dynamics. Mm. With a lot of the stuff where it's been programmed to death, or you get non-drummers, Programming stuff, which sometimes can be really exciting yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. it's great hearing a real drummer yeah, yeah. bringing in those drumming chops and embracing technology in in a way that's really refreshing you've got something very very special there i mean for me I, I wasn't around for the first wave of punk, but I saw early dance music as yeah. being the, the punk of its day
2: it, 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 Absolutely And grime And drum and bass is yeah, yeah. Now I mean If you go to those tradition. shows They look like the kids That were the punk rockers Back then Kind of white Working class thing Absolutely
1: You mentioned You know Everything can come In full circle I, I think you, You've done that And you've remained Incredibly relevant uh, I played Rebellion Festival oh, yeah, uh, Last it. year And played it The year before And For Every Fuck me, they were great. There's a lot of yeah. sad geezers yeah. out there who. No, no, no exactly. Are to me, punk rock. 16 still can't that's play.
2: That's it. I mean, punk rock to me was about being an individual and being daring and confronting and not giving people what they want and being super creative and bold. Not just spiking up your hair, wearing a uniform and going. You know what I mean? I mean, you look at them early punk rock bands: Dam, X-Ray Specs, and Susie the Banshees, Pistols, Clash. They're so diverse. They're as diverse as in it, as any genres bands are. You know what I mean? They no one's sounding the same as anyone else. It was all about being an individual. That that quest for standing out and not being the same as anyone else. That's what it was all about.
1: There's an energy there, and it's yeah. captured on those early recordings. And uh... I'm going to disagree with you. You could fucking play then, big time. Those drums are awesome. Before you went all tribal. Yeah, sure.
2: The trouble <laughs> with tribal. Do you... <laughs> Star Trek, innit?
1: <isn't> <laughs> Do you... Looking back at the early Adam and the Ants releases, in Mud Sharks, the character of Harry makes reference to Lucas's first album. Oh. And that, you know, it's not quite as, you know, big sounding as it could be, but it's of its era. Yeah, yeah. Is there an...
2: Yeah, is there bit. some
1: truth in that? Yeah, <laughs> it it is. How
2: you feel about these. It's kind of a beautiful thing. It's of its time, isn't it? Things are of their time and they're beautiful in that context. But, you know, you can't live in that time. You have to move on, you know. Like it's what you're saying about guys at Rebellion, you know. Still trying to play them three chords the same way as they tried mm. when they were 18. I
1: mean, there's some people who do and it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. But there are plentiful number who it's just sad Mm -hmm. and just seeing you pissing off a bunch of beardy trendies <laughs> who are being judgmental before yeah. you even plugged anything in Yeah, yeah. it made my inner punk so fucking yeah, yeah. happy yeah. it feels <laughs> to your inner punk yeah. doesn't it and, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, also we've
2: all got an inner <laughs> punk yeah. ladies and
1: gentlemen <laughs> and uh, I went there with um, Adia, a mutual yeah. friend and a person who's been a guest on the Dukey radio show and the first thing that we did after you guys finished was tell you well done and we got the oh. fuck out of there yeah, because yeah. it was
2: a horrible venue it was when it steaming with uh, those types <laughs> oh
1: <yeah>. my word <laughs> Yeah. and and I think that's brilliant you're, wow. you're still out there you know, making yeah. a big noise and making a big noise that's relevant and modern but also which embraces your own history Yeah, you should be fucking
2: proud of yourself mate well you know I'm really humble thank you very much it's a really nice thing to say it, at least I know I'm doing the right kind of thing I think yes I am what's next for Coordinated? got a, a new single coming out called Ring of Khan uh, which is a one of the tracks in our set that's going to come out, that's pretty, pretty good. Uh, sort of on that kind of prodigy kind of vibe, but with my sort of style of drumming on it. Um, there's that and more gigs. We've got, uh, we're doing a little free gig at the Unicorn in Camden Town on January the 30th, so you can just, just tip up for that. And um, that's got some good people on the bill as well. And you get to see us, and like I say, we give it everything uh, when, we're, when we're live. And just wait to see what else happens, you know. Got the Barbar- another Barbarossa beat track coming out, and hopefully another book. Another book. Yeah. Tell me more. Well, no symbol stands in it, unfortunately. <laughs> it's not no, no music, but um, it's a, a, a novel about sexual morality in this time. Is there a working title? Yeah, it's called Community of Strangers. Community of Strangers. Mm. Watch the space?
1: Yeah, yeah. Another four years, perhaps. No, no,
2: no, man. It, I, I, I'm really, I'm really optimistic that I'll get it out this year, perhaps this summer, if things go well. And um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a real labour of love. I'm, you know, we shall see. It sounds better read than it does when I'm talking about it. Sexual morality. Yeah, <laughs> you had me at sexual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty dark, It's you know, it's got crime and law and police and all sorts of weirdness. But, you know, there's a point to it. Will it be set in London? Yes, it's set in London,
1: yeah, yeah. Dave Barbarossa, it has been an absolute pleasure having you here on the Dukey Radio Show.
2: Thank you very much, Andy. Bye.
1: to our Facebook page Facebook It's easy to find, it will not take an age Facebook www.facebook.com Forward slash The Dukey e- Radio Show, The Dukey e- Radio Show the Thin White Dookie is right. Click your way to the Dookie Radio Show Facebook page. www.facebook.com forward slash the Dookie Radio Show. The Dookie Radio Show. The Dookie Radio Show. Let's see what Slutty Sue is doing in her house. In her house. i like to what slutty sue is doing in her house in her house
0: are you done with those mugs
1: to a mere pedestrian or uninitiated local penge may appear to be an unremarkable suburb of london Neither city nor country, neither posh nor destitute. But in this quiet enclave in the southeastern quarter of our nation's capital is an Art Deco semi-detached house owned and occupied by a North American transplant to Blighty named Slutty Sue. She likes to clean. I popped into Slutty Sue's pristine abode and asked, Slutty Sue, what? Have you been up to?
0: My neighbor recently decided to take up playing the drums. He invited me over to his house to show me how good he had become at giving his skins a nice, firm pounding. The only problem was that he said he was tapping his bell on his ride cymbal so much that it was getting all tarnished and dirty so today i've mostly been polishing my neighbor's bell of his ride
1: well that's your lot dave barbarossa what a nice chap a musician and novelist who has band time are continuing to remain relevant and with a unique chameleon like zelig quality that's seen the Londoner. Pushing musical boundaries in all sorts of different genres. A real inspiration. My name is Dukie and I've been your host. May the worst of tomorrow be the best of yesterday. Thanks for listening. Now it's time for me to go and uh, <coughs> pop my weasel. Half a pound of tuppenny
0: rice, half a pound of treacle. That's the way the money goes. Pop goes the weasel. You won't eat. You need eat. You won't eat. You needy, You want, I'll tell you, Dookie, I'll tell you what I want. That lovely Mr. Balby, Bal- Bal- Balby Rosa. Oh, he's a lovely man, isn't he, Dookie? I'll tell you, if I were 40 years younger, I'll tell you the things. Oh, I couldn't even say the thing. Anyway, buy this thing. Buy this thing.